0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Last week we talked about uh, the Mass as the Eucharistic banquet. Father Matthias laid out how the, about communion and the nuptial meaning of communion and practically how to receive communion as well. Well, this week, in our final uh, week of the series on the liturgy, we'll focus on the various actions and signs present at the Mass. And so, first, we ask ourselves why are the signs and actions important in the first place? Well, to answer that question, you have to understand that worship, as St. John Cardinal Newman has said, worship is incarnational. Meaning worship engages all of our senses. Worship is both body and soul. Romani Guardini says, every part of the body is an expressive instrument of the soul. The soul does not inhabit the body as a man inhabits a house. It lives and works in each member, each fiber, and reveals itself in the body's every line, contour, and movement. And so the soul expresses itself in prayer, whether it be in private prayer or here in the liturgy, not only by the words we speak, but by our gestures, by our actions that we do and the way we comport ourselves. And so the signs and actions at the Mass they're meant to engage our senses so that we can pray and worship the Lord in an integrated way, both body and soul. So now that we know the importance then of worshiping incarnational and why it's incarnational, it's also important for us to know uh, what the specific uh, actions and signs mean at the mass. We you see you're here at the liturgy. so that our interior disposition, can match what the actions and signs symbolize and remind us of. So what specific actions are we, we gonna be covering today? Well, will be several. We're gonna go through the vestments, the incense, candles, we're talking about the bells, singing, and also the different postures as well that we make, the standing, how we stand, how we sit, the kneeling and the bowing, and what all of those mean. So first we begin then with the vestments. We begin with the vestments, uh, the priest wears so we start with the alb the alb uh the one right here is coming from the latin word meaning white and it's meant to symbolize purity and innocence that comes from baptism that's why all the baptized they wear white to symbolize of uh, that purity that uh and also putting on of christ and so the priest wears an alb, as well as the deacon the priest and also the altar servers And even if they're wearing a cassock, the surplus they have on top is just the same alb, just uh, smaller and shorter. Next is the cincture and it's the white uh, belt and it can be different colors as well, um, that of course goes around the waist. And it's meant to symbolize uh, in the Latin the meaning gird. And it symbolizes the virtue of purity, virtue of chastity and of continence. Next, what goes over the alb and the cincture is the stole. Now, the stole is also a garment in ancient robe uh, in the Roman Empire. And the stole is worn around like the neck like a scarf. And who would wear the stole would be the Roman magistrates. And they would wear them whenever they were exercising their official duties. And so then, when the priest wears a stole, this time not like a scarf, but over the neck and draping down, the stole is meant to symbolize the the authority the priest has to celebrate the sacraments, as well as the authority of being able to stand in the person of Christ. And of course, the deacon also has a similar stole that goes from the shoulder uh, to the waist. And again, it symbolizes a different level of authority. And so what goes over the stole then is what's called the chasuble. Now I'm not wearing the chasuble right now because I'm not celebrating mass, but the chasuble is what Father Matthias is wearing. And it means from the Latin, little house. And what the chasuble symbolizes, what that symbolizes is the yoke of Christ, which is the virtue of charity. And so when the priest puts on the chasuble and it goes over the stool, it's meant to symbolize and also as a rem- serve as a reminder to the priest that the priest's authority is meant to be dressed, covered in love, that he is to carry out his authority in the person of Christ with love. So in all these things, uh, the vestments are symbolic of the priest putting on Christ and putting on all his virtues. And since some prayers can accompany on the putting on the vestments, uh, it's meant to prepare the priest spiritually and the deacon, um, meant to prepare them spiritually for what they're about to celebrate. And so what about for us? How do we vest and show up for Mass? Now, we dress up just in our day-to-day life uh, differently depending on the occasion. We know that for especially more important events, like for weddings or funerals or baptisms, we tend to show up in nice attire. Well, traditionally, we would come to Mass dressed up in that same nice attire, which is all the more fitting, more important for a greater reason for what's occurring at Mass, the great mystery of the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, occurring on the altar. So, because of that, I think one thing we can ask ourselves is how, what do I, what, how uh, can what I wear help me to remind myself, about what the great mystery that I'm approaching in mass, or to put another way, you know, how can what I wear symbolize for me the great dignity of what I'm participating in, and so. That's the symbolism of the vestments. And so now we move on to a couple more symbols. Look at the candles and the bells. So, for the candles, you know that Mass is a divine liturgy. And in the Jewish liturgy, in Jewish worship, candles were used. We also see in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, that there were candles present in the heavenly liturgy. So, all of those reasons we have candles in our Mass. Also, we see many uh, in the scriptures, Jesus oftentimes refers to himself as the light. He also uses many parables, such as the wise virgins and the foolish virgins, uh, as a sign of of vigilance to keep their oil lamps burning brightly until the coming of the bridegroom. And so, the light also is a reminder of the presence of Christ. That's why we have the altars around the, the candles around the altar and especially how we use a candle to signify that the Lord is present in the Eucharist in the tabernacle. Next, we have the bells. The bells are meant to serve as an announcement that when they ring, it reminds us and lets us know that something good is taking place, something important. We know that bells in our daily life uh, take place in times of celebration, Think of like at a wedding, at the end of the wedding, when the bride and groom is coming out, they ring the bells of the church. They're making an announcement and proclaiming what good things have happened. And so then for us, when the bells are rung in the beginning of mass, it's meant to signal us that look at what is about to take place. Look at what we're uh, preparing to participate. Worshiping the Lord and preparing to see the work of our redemption continually be carried out in the representation of the sacrifice in the Eucharist. Bells then too, are also helping us, helps us to focus our minds. And they focus us, especially during the Eucharistic prayer. And you notice that in Eucharistic prayer, we ring the bells here uh, at three times. One, when the priest, myself or Father Matthias lay our hands over the gifts, calling upon the Holy Spirit to transform the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. So we have one ring of the bell to remind us uh, to focus and what's happening there. But also we have the ringing of the bells at the, after the words of institution. And when I elevate the chalice and the patent, and the bells are ringing again, because now what has taken place is Jesus is present. That what I'm lifting up is no longer bread and wine, but the body and blood of Jesus. Next, we also have the incense. The incense, ah, the incense, what it's meant to do, um, it offers beautiful worship to God. Incense creates the ambience of heaven. And you also see incense used in scripture. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, we hear how Moses was instructed by God on Mount Sinai to build an altar on which incense would be burned daily. We also see in scripture how intimately tied incense was with the worship of God. For example, in the book of Jeremiah, burning incense to idols was used as an image of infidelity to God. And even in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, we see how incense symbolizes the lifting up of our prayers to God. See the incense, that those who are worshiping the Lord, they're holding golden bowls uh, full of incense. And it says specifically in Revelation chapter 5, that the incense represents the prayers of the saints. And in another further chapter, to Revelation chapter 8, it says, and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to mingle with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar before the throne." and the smoke of the incense rose with the prayers of the saints from the hand of the angel before God. And so our prayers, our prayers at the mass, they too mingle with the incense and are raised up to heaven. Also too, notice that the times that we see when incense is done. We incense the altar at the beginning of mass. We incense uh, the gifts uh, during the offertory. And again, the altar once again. And then the incense, the priest. And then all of us and all the people, all the congregation gathered here. See, incense is used to honor, venerate what is holy. So it's a reminder for us too, that as we incense what is holy, that all of us too are holy people. we made holy by our baptism. And so it's a reminder of what God has done for us. Also, too, the incense uh, can invite us to look at another question. See, in the incense, you know, as we all know, that we put the incense into the coals, and the coals what burns up the incense and makes smoke. Well, all of us here, we have the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which can burn brightly and be a flame in our own lives. And so we ask ourselves the question, how much does the Holy Spirit permeate my life such that all of my actions, everything I say, all of my livelihood burns and rises up as a fragrant aroma? That my life burns the fragrant aroma to God and that others around me can smell the divine presence. We also have the music at the Mass. See, the sacred music is not just an add on, an option. Sacred music is, in fact, an integral element of the liturgy. Pope St. Pius X explained that the purpose of the sacred music is to clothe the liturgical texts with a suitable melody so as to render greater glory to God. So we hear the music renders that greater worship to the Lord. He also continues by saying, and by doing so, we make those liturgical texts more effective in their ability to move us to devotion so that we are better disposed to receive the graces that come to us from the celebration of the holy sacrifice of the mass. So finally, we see how the liturgy engages our whole body. And we see how it does, though, in the different postures we take at the mass, how we stand when we sit, the kneeling, the bowing. And so if we take a look at the standing, we see that standing itself has great significance. See, standing, what it means is it calls us to attention, much like a soldier that is on duty, one who is eager uh, to listen, prepared to carry out what he hears. It's also a sign of respect. I think of the time just in our day-to-day life when we stand up uh, to give a handshake or again, like a soldier who's on duty. Standing is also a posture of prayer and meditation and mediation. In scripture, we think of Moses who's standing on the hill and on the hill he's interceding for Israel to win against the battle against Amalek. You also hear in the act of the apostles, Saint Stephen, the first deacon and martyr, that as he was being stoned, he saw a vision of heaven And there he says that he saw Jesus standing at the Father's right hand in heaven, signifying Jesus's constant intercession in mediation for him and for all of us. And so every time we stand, whether it be at the beginning of Mass, at the end of Mass, after the Eucharistic prayer, during the creed and the prayers of the faithful, it's meant for us that we stand Then to call a mind to be attentive, stand as a prayer posture of mediation, of praying for others. I mean, we're standing when we pray to be attentive to what we say. And notice too that the priest then, when he's standing uh, during the Eucharistic prayer, he stands because he's standing in mediation. He is interceding on behalf of the whole church and of all, all of us gathered here, offering the one sacrifice of Jesus to the Father along with us with it we also have another posture that of sitting see sitting down is not a neutral position in the liturgy sitting down signifies a position of receptivity means an openness to what is being heard and also a posture of recollection and so then when we're sitting notice we're sitting at the time when the readings are proclaimed from scripture and so it's a time for us to be to hearing and to be receptive of what is being proclaimed. And also we listen, again, uh, the homily, but then too, we also have a time of sitting during the offertory, time of being open and recollecting on offering our lives together with the bread and wine being brought forward. We're sitting there thinking, recollecting, saying this is preparing ourselves to what it is we're doing here. I'm preparing to offer myself, my life to God, as I give my income, the fruit fruits of my labor and the tithing, as well as the bread and wine coming forward. You also have bowing. Bowing in the liturgy can be a sign of respect, a sign of reverence, and also of humble submission. And so we see ourselves that, uh, for example, when the lector comes forward, they bow and they give a bow of reverence to the altar. Um, We also have uh, several opportunities. Where we bow. We bow at the, we can bow, the priest bows his head at the name of Jesus. The priest and all of us too can bow at the waist, the time of the creed, when we call to mind the mystery of the incarnation. And see, in the liturgy, there are two forms of bowing one was the bow of the head, and one called the profound bow, the bow of the waist. And so the priest does a bow of the head at the mention of the three divine persons of the Trinity the name of Jesus and also the saint celebrate day and of the Virgin Mary. Pope Gregory the 10th said this in the second council of Lyon, whenever that glorious name is recalled, especially during the sacred mysteries of the mass, everyone should bow the knees of his heart, which he can do even by a bow of his head. And so as bowing, is a sign of reverence, of respect. And kneeling takes that uh, reverence, that bowing, even to a more profound level. And so we kneel at the most important part of the Mass, the Eucharistic prayer, the time when Jesus is being made present again, the sacrifice is taking place, and the work of our redemption being carried out. And so with all these signs, all these gestures we see that the mystery of the mass it's more than words can explain and so father Matthias and i we hope that uh, this series uh, has helped you uh, appreciate this most ancient and powerful prayer of the church so now may we come to mass more prepared to worship christ the lord until we worship him face to face in his glory in heaven